Hi and welcome to The Rice Life, a podcast by Rice Extension. We aim to give you the latest R&D information, industry news and answer your questions. You're joined by myself, Harriet and Charlton. So this week we're starting off the episode with a grower question. I had a grower ring up and ask, is there any budgeting tools that Rice Extension has when looking ahead ready planning for next year? Yeah, definitely. We have a good online budgeting tool called Rice Scenario, which we'll give links in the show notes where you can um, go and access and jump online and have a play around. So Charlie, did you want to give a bit of an overview about what this budgeting tool can do for the grower? It is a calculator that will help you work out how much water you're going to need for your irrigation program, the water cost of your planned irrigation program, the gross margins, sensitivity analysis for the program across a range of scenarios and it also helps with your cash flow budget. So what happens is RAS scenario gives you the options to change the RAS variety, change the water source that you use, um, the layout and obviously the price once it gets announced. So if you would like any help with that, please reach out to the RAS extension team or otherwise just jump online to rasscenario.rasextension.org.au. Yeah, so as we said, we'll put those links in the show notes so you can go on and um, have a play and muck around with RAS scenario and give us a yell if you need a hand. So Charlie, what's coming up on today's episode? Yeah, so this week I caught up with Kit Barlow, who's an accountant in Finlay, and we chatted about the end of financial year that's coming up. We talked about the opportunities with the COVID-19 stimulus package, drought funding from the state and federal government, and why it's important to have a good relationship with your accountant. And then lastly, we're just going to have a quick uh, winter cropping update with Danilico and Elders agronomist Adam Delwo. So Adam's going to highlight different things that we're seeing this season, especially because it's a bit one out of the box with the amount of rain and the good start that we've had. So it was great to catch up with both of them. Awesome. So both sound really good. We will kick off with your chat with accountant Kip Barlow, and we hope you enjoy. Thanks for joining us today, Kip. Can you just give me a quick overview of your business here in Finlay? Yeah, no dramas. Um, yeah, so I'm KSB Accounting in Finlay, um, opposite the bakery, um, one of um, three accountants in town. Pretty much just look after uh, farming clients and small business entities with uh, a few individuals. Um, started up three years ago, uh, sort of saw a need for an accountant that was a bit more flexible and uh, I suppose um, flexible in the fact of uh, servicing client needs compared to what uh, what the old accounting firms used to offer. So yep. yeah, that's why I set up. So a bit more specific to that farming sector? Yeah, and just uh, look, there's a lot of new accounting packages, cloud-based stuff that um, really revolutionise the accounting industry. It means that uh, the client and the accountant can be working on the same document at the same time, um, daily bank feeds. So the bank reconciliation um, is going into the program every, or the bank feeds going into the program every day. It just means that um, pretty much on a, on a daily basis, the business has a very good idea of where they're at. The accountant has a good idea of where they're at. Yeah. Um, and it's made it a lot easier for that, I suppose, accountant-client relationship. So um, i seen those new programs um, and the ability they bring, I thought it was a good, good opportunity to sort of branch out on my own and 
um, focus on the client needs a bit more. Um, now today I thought we'd catch up about the end of financial year that's upcoming and a bit of COVID information. So with the end of financial year fast approaching, what are the key things that you tell your clients that they should prepare for? Um, so at the end of the year, uh, the financial year approaching, uh, basically they have to have a pretty good idea of what their potential profit situation is. Um, because you've only got until the 30th of June to put in place um, some tax minimisation strategies uh, around probably money into fund management deposits, um, instant asset write-off and also super, uh, concessional super contributions. Um, all those three things have to be done by the 30th of June. You can't retrospectively do it. So you've got to know, I suppose, is your business in a um, profit situation that's going to warrant some of those things uh, being put in place or do you not have a tax problem at all that you need to worry about? So you've got to be very much up to date as to where your business is sitting. We've heard a lot about um, instant asset write-off and superannuation with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So can you just give us a quick overview of the instant tax write-off? Because I think it's increased up to $150,000. Yes, it has. Yeah, so it was $30,000. Um, and on the 12th of March, the uh, um, Scott Morrison came out and announced they were going to increase that. Uh, part of the COVID, obviously, um, COVID-19 stimulus, increased that to $150,000. So that's been a massive boost. Um, I've had a lot of client inquiries about it. Um, and it's going to obviously it's it's going to be great as far as tax planning because um, if you can so that's one hundred and fifty thousand for each eligible asset so it can be multiple it doesn't it's not a cap of one hundred and fifty thousand well it's a cap of one hundred and fifty thousand per asset but you could have multiple assets and say spend six hundred thousand dollars on multiple assets as long as each one's under one hundred and fifty so you can see it uh, would quite quickly wipe out any tax problem the client might be facing if they can utilise it. On top of that, uh, the government also introduced an increased depreciation. So if you, if the asset you're looking at buying, let's say it was a um, air seater and it's two hundred thousand dollars, so you're obviously the, the value of it's over the hundred and fifty. Um, the increased depreciation limit is fifty-seven and a half percent. So you can claim fifty. So if you back to the air seater example, if it was two hundred thousand dollar air seater, you can claim fifty-seven and a half percent of it straight up yep. as an accelerated depreciation in the year one and then the residual balance goes onto your depreciation schedule and is depreciated under the normal rules. Yeah, so. okay. So I guess for anyone who's listening in terms of if they're looking to buy new machinery ready for harvest at the end of the season before June with the new write-off would be the best time to buy anything. Absolutely, yeah. If you think you need it, um, now is probably the perfect time to do it because there's no guarantee the government will extend this beyond June 30. But they might. Uh, I think they're very concerned about how the economy's tracking and there's a good chance they will extend it, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. Yeah, okay, so that cut-off is June 30th of yep. this year. Yep, they're not, they're not flagging at all that's going to be extended beyond the 30th of June this year. Yeah, okay, and the depreciation, is that also up to the 30th of June? Uh, my understanding, it is, yes, just the 30th of June. Yeah. But I'd probably have to check that more specifically. Yep, no, that's okay. Um, also, out of the COVID information, there's been a lot of talk at the minute about JobKeeper and JobSeeker. Have you had any clients ring up and ask whether or not they might be eligible for that and if it's worth putting it in? 
Uh, yeah, I've had a lot of clients, um, and I've had, that's just not farming clients, but I've had other clients, small businesses in town, that um, have have called me about that, and it's probably more the job keeper because the job seeker is more for. Um, for if you've actually lost your job, and it, it, I suppose it's a good way to look at the job seeker is the old new start. So it's pretty much the old new start, you're looking for work, and it's got a COVID-19 stimulus attached to it, so that, they're calling that now the job seeker. So that's probably not really in the area of taxation and accounting, it's more the job keeper, which is um, for businesses with employees that are directly affected by the, the um, coronavirus, and have had a 30% reduction in turnover. And the JobKeeper is eligible for um, not just the employees of the business, but also one business participant um, okay. can, can be eligible for that payment as well. Yeah. So that, for example, if you had a husband and wife partnership, uh, unfortunately, both partners aren't eligible, but one of them would, would be. Yeah, so and, that's good to know. Yeah, and same with a company. If you're operating a business structure in a company, you might have multiple directors. Uh, one of those directors will be eligible for the um, JobKeeper payment. Yeah, I guess that's really handy for anyone who is in the position where they've had their hours cut or if they've got staff. It would be nice to know they can continue their wages at yeah, this time. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's quite a good program. Uh, obviously, the... Uh, eligibility is the 30% decline in turnover. Now, the turnover test is uh, any month from uh, March 2020. So you look at uh, March 2020 compared to March um, 2019. And if you've had the 30% decline in turnover, uh, then you're eligible. And that those test months can be March, April, May. It goes all the way through. The program runs for uh, nine months, right through to September. And um, I'm pretty certain as long as you uh, have that turnover decline in any of those months, you'll be eligible for the program. Yeah, so say if someone didn't apply for it in March, they can still apply for it this month, for example, yep. in May. Yeah, we've got a uh, couple of businesses that are seeing the decline in turnover now, and they're now eligible. So they'll be paid the JobKeeper from the start of May. Yep. Yeah, okay, that's good to know so that it if people have, if people do think they've missed out, there's definitely still opportunity to look at it if they're only seeing the decline in their income now. Yes, yeah. So in assessing a 30% decline, does it have to be the same time period 12 months ago? Uh, yes, so you can pick a quarter or a month. So the quarter can be the June quarter, yep. for example. So that takes in the three months, uh, April, May, June, or it can be any month uh, within that period compared to the exact same period last year. Yep. So it's got to be the same. So if you're looking on a monthly basis, you, you, you were saying May 2020, then you've got to go back and look at May 2019. Yeah, um, so, so that fair comparison, I guess. Yeah, that's how that's how they want you to work out your decline turnover. You're looking at um, month this year compared to month last year. Yep, okay, that makes sense, yeah. Mm. So for anyone who has, say, an apprentice or a trainee at the minute with COVID, they can get help in paying their trainee or apprentices' wages? Yes. Uh, yeah, so they announced that they'll cover 50% of the cost of the wages of an apprentice or trainee up to a total of 21000 Yep. Um, but with that, it was announced actually before JobKeeper came out. It was one of the very first packages they came, they came up with. And what happened when JobKeeper came out later, 
it was a lot more, because if you uh, think of an apprentice, um, they don't earn huge money. JobKeeper's $1,500 a fortnight or $750 a week, which is a lot more than an apprentice would probably normally earn. So as soon as they came out of the announcement of JobKeeper, that apprentice subsidy pretty much fell away and because people earn more under the JobKeeper. So that's been the number one thing that people signed up for. Yeah, okay, so they can get more money being JobKeeper. Yep. Yeah, and you don't have to... It, um, if you're eligible, you can be JobKeeper. The government doesn't say to you, well, that's an apprentice, you have to use the apprentice wage subsidy. You're, as, as long as you're eligible, you can go straight to the JobKeeper and, and um, I suppose uh, not even worry about the apprentice subsidy. Yeah, okay, I guess that's a bonus for them because they're obviously getting more on JobKeeper than they would if they're getting their normal wage. Yeah, a lot more. Um, and look, we've... Um, We've seen that with uh, pubs and cafes and other businesses like that that have had casuals who are eligible for the JobKeeper. They, um, as long as they've been working with the business for more than 12 months, they might have only been earning, say, a couple hundred dollars a week. Yep. But now under the JobKeeper, they're earning $750 a week. So it's a lot more money to them. And I suppose the purpose of that was to really get uh, some cash into the economy and get them spending to try and... Um, create demand and prop the economy up against the coronavirus. Yeah, I guess it's helping the economy stay stable in yeah. uncertain times. Yeah, it's just basically injecting cash in there and um, and uh, trying to get businesses going again. So just moving on from there, I thought we'd do a little bit of touching because you service quite a few farming clients about any drought funding. You've got the LLS fee waiver, so that's your local uh, land services fee waiver. Um, and you've also got the water licence fee waiver, and that's uh, New South Wales government charges that are attached to um, general high security and stock and domestic water. Yeah. Um, and then you have the drought assistance fund. Now, this is a very good subsidy, and one I've had several clients uh, use it. It's an interest-free loan of up to $50,000. The loan term's seven years, um, and no repayments in the first. So. The 50 grand, you've basically got the last five years of the loan to repay it with no interest payments. Um, and it covers the transport of stock, fodder, water, and also covers on-farm works for fodder and water storage and infrastructure. Um, pretty much anything that promotes the long-term efficiency of the farm. Yeah, so I think, um, I know we've had quite a few people through Rice Extension that have come in and said they've used that loan to build things like hay sheds or yep. improvement for the future, kind of for that next yes. generation. Yeah, so it's been it's been really popular. Um, and surprisingly enough, it also covers the cost of purchasing, purchasing permanent water. So oh, that's good yeah, to know. Yeah, if someone wants and that was actually the uh, Rural Financial Councillor um, highlighted that to me. So if you're doing a permanent water purchase, uh, $50,000 of the lease can be covered by this, that's, uh, by that loan. <clears throat> yeah, that's definitely a plus for anyone, I guess, particularly in this area of the Riverina, who's looking at securing water permanently yeah. for their enterprise. Yeah, and I think Murray Irrigation would be grateful for more permanent water coming into the system, so they, if you can use they, it for that, it'd be great. Um, they definitely would. And then the other one is not really a drought uh, measure by the New South Wales RAA, but it's, it sort of does, I suppose, sit on the side of it, is the Farm Innovation Fund, and that's um, it's a cheap loan for on-farm infrastructure improvements, so it's, and it's up to funding of a million dollars, so it's, yeah, okay. a, it's a large sum of money. Yep. Um, 
and it covers a broad range of farm improvements and capital works programs. Uh, it's a 15 year loan and the interest rate is, I think the last time I looked, it was about 2.5%. That's pretty comparable with your banks and things like uh, that. Yeah, look, it's probably cheaper. It's probably a good percent cheaper than you get from the bank, unless you've got a really good relationship with the bank. But a million dollars at 2.5%, 15 year repayment um, for on-farm efficiency programs is a, is a pretty good measure. That's a very good measure. Especially at the minute where lots of people are looking at how to make their farming practices more efficient and sustainable, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. It's been really popular. I've had heaps of clients take it up and um, they've announced more funding towards it. So I think uh, they're about halfway through the announced funding, but as soon as they get close to using the funding up, they seem to add more funding to it. So it's, um, it's, my understanding is it's going to be around for a little bit longer yet. So that's pretty much all the New South Wales uh, government has, but if you look at the federal government through the Regional Investment Corporation, they've got the drought loan. Now this is a $2 million loan and its uh, funding is for refinancing the existing debt to pay operating expenses and capital um, and also accessing new debt if you need it. Uh, and that's, the term is 10 years, interest rates 2.11%. Um, and the catch about it though is that it's, uh, they'll only cover 50% of your existing debt with a commercial lender. So okay. if you already have a million dollars debt with your bank, they'll, they'll take on 500,000. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of paperwork involved with it. The rural financial counsellors can help you with that paperwork or accountants can help you with the paperwork as well. Um, but I just haven't had many clients take it up. It's yeah, just okay. they've looked at the paperwork and they've looked at the fact that it'll only cover 50% of your existing debt with a commercial lender. And they've looked at the interest rate and they've just thought, can't be bothered. Yes, basically. it's in that too hard basket to... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, but they have another one, which is not for directly for farmers, but it's for farm-related businesses. So I suppose you think of your tractor repair bloke or your spray contract or spreading contractor yeah, that directly rely on farmers for their work. Uh, it's called the Agbiz loan. Um, so it's for uh, up to half a million dollars. It's also a 10 year term, also 2.11% interest rate. Um, and it also has a catch that they'll only uh, provide 50% funding of existing debt. Okay. So that's, yeah, as as the drought loan, it's got that little catch to it. But it has been, I've had a few businesses that are obviously not farmers, but related to farming, that have taken up that loan. Yeah. Um, because it's, um, they've, they've needed it because they're, you know, obviously they're with the drought, not so much now coming out the other side of the drought, but if you wind back six months ago, they were being quite badly affected by farmers that's not spending any money. Yeah, everyone's keeping their hands in their pockets at yes. the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much the, the drought funding. Finally, I just thought we'd touch on a little bit of general accounting stuff. So what, obviously uncertain times and things are changing, but what's been kind of the number one piece of advice that you've given your clients or that you do give your clients? Um, well, I suppose, you know, with the COVID-19, the whole situation, the lockdown and social distancing measures, I suppose the number one's stay safe, but. Uh, from an accounting point of view, um, interest rates are very low. Banks have, uh, in the last several months, all dropped their interest rates. So 
Basically, money is about as cheap as it's ever been. You can lock in fairly long-term rates at between 2 and 3%. Yep. Um, so now's probably the best time ever to look at uh, those on-farm efficiency programs and locking those programs in at very low interest rates. You know, I suppose going back to that uh, farm innovation line, if you can lock in uh, big farm efficiency programs at two to three percent interest rates, and this is stuff that's going to give your farming business um, efficiency measures going, you know, 20, 30 years into yeah, the future. It's that forward planning. Yeah, that, that's it, exactly. And on top of the low interest rates, there's also this incentive now from the government, tax incentive, to actually go out and spend the money. So if you take low interest rates, uh, cheap funding coming from governments, um, as, as far as some of those loans we've talking, spoken about, and also tax incentives on top of that. So 150 instant asset write-off and then the 57.5% accelerated depreciation. It's probably no, there's been no better time that I can think of to really lock in those farm efficiencies and get a tax, massive tax advantage at the same time. Yeah, so it's really positive outlook, I guess, for farmers in the respect that they can be forward planning about that efficiency, sustainability and that long term, especially for the next generation. Yeah, exactly. It could be a once in a generation opportunity to to put in some major infrastructure pro, uh, projects at pretty yeah. low interest rates. And I often say to my clients that um, you're paying the bank or the government, if you get a government loan, 2 to 3%, but the lowest tax rate's 19%. That's the lowest individual tax rate if you look at the what the tax rate kicks in over and above the tax-free threshold. So there's a big difference. You're only paying 2 to 3% on your money, but you're saving minimum 90% on tax. So, so it's, it's definitely a win. It's a huge advantage. Oh, it's, it's a huge win. And, um, and if you take the tax saving into consideration when you're looking at the cost of the asset, it makes it even cheaper again. So what I mean is if you go out and buy that asset compared to not buying that asset and having to pay the government tax, it makes it cheaper again when you look at it. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely an advantage in terms of the tax. Um, I guess lastly, just before we finish, how important is it for you or any accountant, the relationship that they have with their clients? Um, yeah, look, I think it's extremely important. I, um, I suppose going back to the very start of the interview when I spoke about being a bit more flexible, it's, it's something a lot of my clients were saying they, they want to be able to just pick up the phone and have that quick conversation with the accountant. It's not in-depth and um, it's just they want to ask if they're in the, uh, the rural um, machinery dealer yard and they're thinking about purchasing a new um, tractor, for example, or a new ute or whatever it happens to be. They just want to be able to, uh, I think it's important for them to feel comfortable to make that quick call of the accountant and just get their opinion about um, the purchase or, yep. or what they're looking at doing. And like I said, a, a lot of clients, new clients that have come across to me have been because they don't have that easy access to their accountant, they, they're just not available. Um, so it's, it's very important if you do have that good relationship with your accountant. Um, and also, not, not just for the fact of being able to ring them and uh, speak freely about anything that you, you want to, it's also about having that um, very good understanding, up-to-date understanding of how the business is looking um, profit-wise yeah. and its equity position. Yeah. Uh, if you've got that good relationship with your accountant, he's going to know exactly where you stand on, on those financial measures. 
Yeah, I guess it's having the confidence to be able to ring your accountant and have the conversation with them if you want to buy something new or if, even if you just ring and say, look, how am I looking? Am I even in a good position with cash flow? Yeah, exactly. And uh, unfortunately, it happens probably a bit too much where a client will make a fairly serious business decision about buying an asset. And um, if they'd say maybe this wasn't the best year to do it if they've just waited a few months and bought it next financial year because if you look at a year like this we've come out of a bad drought so a lot of farms aren't in a bad tax position but next year you look at the rain we've had uh, everyone's got big crops in it could be a smarter decision to push that purchase in the next financial year yeah so that's what i suppose if you've got that good relationship with your accountant you can have that quick conversation and maybe you know, make the decision that's going to be a lot more advantageous to you tax-wise. Yeah, I guess being also advantageous tax-wise is a definite bonus for a farming business too, too, if you can offset anything. Yes, absolutely. And look, timing comes, especially this time, you're coming up to the 30th of June, timing's everything. Sometimes you've got to be, have these things done before the 30th of June, sometimes you're better off to have them done after the 30th of June. So yep. that's where it comes to that good relationship with your accountant. You've got to have that timely advice. Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. I do appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, for anyone listening, if they would like to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Um, probably telephone, actually. Uh, I don't have a website, um, so a bit old fashion in that respect um, yep. yeah so the phone number is uh, obviously 03 58 832 706 or um, the email address is kip at ksbaccounting.com.au yep all right i'll also put those details in the show notes but thank you very much for giving me time out of your day no dramas thank you very much thank you This week on the Rice Wrap-Up, we give you an overview from the Murray and the Murrumbidgee and chat with Adam Delwo, Elders Agronomist, about the winter season that we're currently having and what people are seeing in field. Can you just tell our listeners who you are and what you do in Denny? Uh, thanks, Charlie. Yeah, Adam Delwo. I'm an agronomist here in Daniloquin and I've been here for at least 15 years. Yep. Okay. So seasoned now. Yeah, seasoned now, although I just didn't want to give away how old I was. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, what's the main crop that your clients have got in this winter? Uh, so we've got lots of different crops in this winter. The standards, your wheat, barley, oats, canola, uh, pastures, and we've got the few grain legumes in as well. So chickpeas, lentils, faba beans, and field peas. Yep. Have you seen a bigger swing towards pasture crops for sheep feed? Uh, the changes we've seen this year was canola planting has increased due to the early break. Yep. Um, we've seen the dual purpose crops, be that grazing wheat, canola, barley and canola go in early for sheep feed. Yep. Um, and the cereal planting is much the same, but yeah, our pastures did go up a bit, but most of that is dual purpose stuff. Yeah, okay, so that makes sense. Um, what are you seeing in crop? Weeds, pests, anything out of the ordinary? Um, we've had a pretty funny year as far as insects go. We've had some problems with cutworms, veggie weevils, uh, webworms in pastures. Um, starting to see some green peach aphids in canola now and starting to spray for them with our grass sprays. Seeing Russian wheat aphid in some cereals already. 
Uh, Disease-wise, we've had a pretty good run, but insects have been pretty challenging from the start in most broadleaf crops. Yeah, okay. Do you think there's the potential for a tie-up between the Russian wheat aphid in your cereals and maybe coming into a rice crop next season? Potentially, yes. They've certainly got numbers there now, and it's only early June. Uh, Their activity should slow down being cold, but we have seen them in rice before. Yeah, okay, that's good to know. Um, At the beginning of planting, there was a chemical shortage. Are you guys still experiencing any shortage with getting stock in? Uh, Most of our knockdown stuff, your roundups and um, paraquats is pretty good now, but obviously we don't need them now because everything's growing. Um, Seeing a little bit of shortage in some pasture products um, and insecticides in pastures, but other than that, it's pretty good. If the season looks like a 2010 or a 2016 again, which were really wet years, I'm suspecting that there'll be a fungicide shortage in the spring. Yeah, well, that makes sense because hopefully we're going to get a lot of rain. Um, Just finally, have you got any clients planning for rice for C21 and what's your kind of outlook on that? Uh, Well, the good early break has got people pretty buoyant on the rice job. Uh, A 3% allocation down here helped the job a little bit as well. We've still got a fair way to go. Had a few growers leave rice out, which is the first time for at least two years. Yep. Uh, Leave out paddocks for rice, so that's positive. Having a look at a few, looking at their water portfolios now and whether they carry over or park water and and just thinking about that job as well. Um, And yeah, that's it's positive. People are certainly talking rice now and it's only June, so that's it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing. I guess we'll just have to wait and see when a price comes out and hope that it's favourable for growers. Certainly. Yep. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. Um, No doubt we'll catch up with you later in the season. Pleasure, Charlton. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we want to hear from you. Get in touch via our email, extension at rga.org.au, or tweet or Facebook message us at Rice Extension. Make sure you get in touch with topics for discussion or guests that you'd like us to interview. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, and have a rice day.